Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's like we're on episode 18 for the week of April Hooray! 11th, 2010, it's the a- year of our Lord. April 15th, you mean? Uh, well, I thought we were doing it on the Sunday starting no, of the week. Just, well, That's this, what we decided last week. Right, but we didn't do last week's. But this is last week's. Oh, fuck, we're doing one on Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah. God damn it. What? There's a lot of news. No, I know. Okay. Yeah. Then we can put all the news on that one. Yeah, exactly. Then it'll be new news. It'll be new. So today is the special RPG episode. Special RPG in which we're going to talk about our favorite hand-caressing moments of all time. GURPS. GURPS. GURPS? GURPS. Favorite RPGs of all time. Yeah. Never mind. That's a total joke just for pen and paper uh, uh, RPG nerds. There's like one person out there on the internet. (laughs) 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 That was worth a good... Excuse me, have you heard Nicholas latest Bon Mo? Gerps. Gerps. There's an entire fan base dedicated to that on Facebook now. Yeah, actually, there's a whole fetish dedicated to that. <laughs> to Nick's Bon Mo. Nicholas yes. Tipton Bon Mo fetish. I can't get off until Nick makes a Bon Mo. <laughs> I've heard that. Can you dress, up, can you dress up as Can you dress up as Nicholas Tipton and make a Bon Mo? I'll get off on you that. You know, that, that costume is becoming more popular every year. <laughs> Halloween, I see tons of little kids red. wearing that. Why their parents let <laughs> them wear fetishist costumes, I don't know. I wow. don't know the, the, This player status intro is going dark very quickly. <laughs> dark or awesome. <laughs> it, it's going pretty awesome. Everyone listening is like, well... So, um, uh, Andy, what's your plan? Well, first, we'll, let's do the intro. It's time to kick ass and chew bubble gum. And we're Intro back. done! Woo! Super. Yeah! But but really, what are you playing? It, is that like what you do after a good poop? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so Peter, what have you been playing? I'm almost done with Assassin's Creed 2. Yes, Ask Creed. Ask Creed 2. Ask Creed 2. Um, still it, I loving... think the Creed in its name should actually have to be uh, have the music done by Creed. <laughs> <laughs> Especially while you're standing on the top of a building looking down on people you're going to murder. Yes, yes. <laughs> the soundtrack alone will make you want them. to murder people more. Perfect. You're really good at that. Yeah. Uh, you know, closing the fists as you sing That's really, the only way you can do you the power. voice. That's the only way you it can gives do you the voice. power. You really, to, like, it, it just constricts. You have to hold your fists up to each other. It just it holds it all in. It just makes it tight. It just it just makes it tight. Yeah, so you've been playing Assassin's Creed 2. Two. Yeah, just two. stabbing people and going along through Italian stereotype of the game. <laughs> Luigi! Hey, it's about- how, how many references cannoli has there been? Uh, no, but there's uh, <laughs> there's this one scene where you go to the Thieves Guild. He goes, hey, uh, Ezio, welcome. Have some cafe or a biscotti. And I'm just like going, Jesus fucking Christ. And then the guy goes, this cafe is not bad. Could you sugar or a latte? And I'm just like, ugh. And I know latte means milk in Italian, but still. It can use a milk? Latte, you put milk in it. I know, but if they said, and a latte, that yeah, means that's and what they a said. milk. Yeah. No one says, and I, I want that, and a cheese. Look, it's in the game, okay? It's it's still poor. I'm it's just commenting on its, it's poor-tivity. And then I've also, I just got uh, Burnout Dominator on my PSP, so I can... You want to play it? We can live cast right here on the streaming audio. No, I brought it with me because I thought we'd be bored, but uh, I guess not. But... Why did you think we were going to be bored? Because we're talking about RPGs today. That's right. And you thought that we were going to just talk about Chrono Trigger for an hour. I thought you guys were going to go back and forth on probably Morrowind. 
No, no, no. Nick, what have you been playing? Uh, well, I, I played a couple different things this week. Awkward transition. Yeah. I, uh, I went back to playing Katamari Damacy. Yes, and you're liking again. this? I love Katamari Damacy. Everybody who has not played it needs to go get it. You can get it for cheap currently, I think. Just when you talk about it, I'm just going to do the song. Yeah, okay, go for it. So last week I asked you, do you like the anti-consumerist message? This week I'm like, do you like... It's not a very successful message. Do you like the consumerist message? I'm going to turn it on. I do like the consumerist message. After I'm done playing that, I'm like, I want to roll with everything. Literally, actually, not only does the music get stuck in your head, as Peter demonstrates, but... Uh, after I'm done playing, I then look at my girlfriend. I'm like, I'm gonna roll you into a ball, and then everything in the house will stick to you. It's great. Well, she is a Sarlacc pit that's been traveling for ten thousand years, and then landed in Oregon. And but yeah, so, so great game. Uh, play it if you haven't already played it. I also uh, played um, some uh, Dragon Age Awakenings. Fucking murder you. We're off that now. Relaxing at midnight. Yeah. Why the fuck did you bring him? Dude, dude, <laughs> he drove me. Why dude, the fuck did you let him do that? There's buses. Yeah, so I also played uh, Dragon Age Awakening, uh, which is the expansion of Dragon Age. Um, uh, something probably will come up later in the podcast as well. Perhaps, perhaps. Well, no no hints, good sir. Um, but uh, the expansion is very fun. Um, it's a little more linear than the original Dragon Age was, and, but uh, there's a lot of really great features that mm-hmm. really enhance the playing. Uh, the, the playing. Uh, and really funny. Actually, pretty much everything I've done the so far has good? been really hilarious. An example is that uh, now you can click on items to have conversations with your with your characters in your party. Oh. And uh, the, the first one you actually get to interact with and have a big conversation with is there's a keg that you can click on to talk with a dwarf, and he's drunk the entire time. And you can do it like five times, and the stuff he says is ludicrously hilarious. Uh, I, so, I I thought it'd be better if like you clicked on an item, and then you had a five minute soliloquy. Some of them are like that. Like the, the, like they'll like be like wistful about something from their past. I actually I love that kind of stuff in a game because it, it to me seems like the self narcissistic stuff that you can do. And, you know, I'm gonna murder you. I'm gonna murder you. I'm gonna murder you with so, your PSP. But that's, that's what I've been playing. Uh, Annie, what have you been playing this week? I've been playing strategy everything. No, 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 uh, shut the no, fuck no, up! Ah, cut my No, you guys can continue. I'll go right ahead. No, no, no. Strategy. No, go, go. Continue. I, I, <laughs> I played the absolute crap out of Settlers 7. How would make a really good strategy I'll game, don't you, you think? Mm, I will murder How you. many balls can you have on the screen? <laughs> yeah. 17. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. German? Chris Taylor's Katamari <laughs> Damacy. Giant balls <gasps> with small ones. We need Chris Taylor's Settlers 8. I, so what strategy games have you been playing? Settlers 7. <laughs> Yeah, I have been seeing your updates uh, on your Settler 7 progress on your Facebook. Yes, uh, Settler 7 is by Ubisoft. It's a blue uh, bike game. And uh, my good friend Bruce Shelley, the big fat guy that looks like Gabe Newell, except he actually knows how to comb his hair and doesn't wear, like, disgustingly unsized polos. And not as rich. And not as rich. But he used to be an executive of Microsoft. Well, I guess they both did. Yeah. Okay. He's the better looking Gabe Newell. <laughs> <laughs> wow, let's make this obscure. <laughs> uh, it's bad when your comparison is the better looking Gabe Newell. <laughs> uh, so, Bruce, so Bruce Shelley is the guy that created Age of Empires and created Ensemble, part of the Microsoft Game Studio shop. And uh, after Age of Empires and, and Ensemble closed down. No, after Halo Wars. 
Uh, yeah. Weaponized Advanced Recon Soldier. Yeah. That's what WAR stood for. Yeah. Uh, after Ensemble shut down, Bruce Shelley still needed to pay his mortgage, so he's taken a job with Blue Bite and worked on Settler 7. I, I had no idea about this until literally the day before I bought and the game. no one else listening has realized that until you mentioned it. And that's the, why I'm mentioning it, because it's cool, because I was watching a You're video. You're shining a light in the darkness. I, I am. I'm journalistic integrity, bitches. I will murder you. So, so anyways, about Settler 7. Uh, so Bruce Shelley uh, no contributed one... something to the game, and no one knows what. But the game is really... <laughs> so this guy, who I don't know what he did, was part of it. He just pointed out the, the most the most irrelevant Easter egg ever for a game development. <laughs> I, yeah, I really like that. So the thing I really like about this game is that it's part of the game you don't play. It's just this guy still is employed somewhere. Well, no, he, he looks like the better looking game. <laughs> New That's like me going, the thing I really Look, like about... The kind of deep biting commentary that we need on this network. What I think this? we're done with Andrew's section, honestly. <laughs> no. Uh, so, Settler 7 is an indirect control game. You build buildings, you don't control individuals, except for like the one general, he brings his army with him. Uh, compared to a game like Command Conquerors, what are you giggling about, you little girl? The one general, but he brings his army with him, <laughs> so it's cool. <laughs> no, 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 guy, he's cool. He brought his you own don't army. Get, you don't get to control anyone, but there's this general with his own army. It's cool. Well, trust me. Well, so you build buildings that people that the buildings <laughs> that brings with the them. Worst and stuff. Description ever. <laughs> I almost pooped myself. <laughs> no, 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 guys, it's totally cool. He's got his army and everything. <laughs> And he's going for a job in, in game, game studio PR. So there's this general. So, like, so like, this game is totally revolutionary, but, but it's got this general, right? Have you heard of Gary Newell? Well, this guy's like the better dressed co over Gary it's Newell. by this guy. We don't know what he did, but he looks better than Gabe Newell. Like, if you had him and Gabe Newell next to each other, you'd fuck him. <laughs> Oh man, my! I literally just cried. I'm like, was so the part hard. that was the part that he invented was the fact that the general brought his own army with him. <laughs> That's innovation you can bank on, dude. dude yes, you should hire is. me so we can have this general who like totally brings his own army. <laughs> oh snap! He's got his army up in this club. Oh shit! He brought his own <laughs> army. Oh no! It's over. Oh my god! To be a general, don't you have to have an army? Not necessarily. No. No. Haven't you watched Chuck? <laughs> Oh. That, that's why he had to include that the general brought his own army because sometimes the general in the game shows up totally doesn't have anybody this is like general sounds this has chicken <laughs> so what other games have you been playing so like in supreme commander 2 do you have to build your own army or do you totally bring one or is one totally brought for you it's totally brought to you man it's okay well, see, in Settlers, you you actually can have more than one general. So you can like, have totally two different armies? Yes. Uh, but you start out with only the ability to, to control just... Okay, you guys need to calm the fuck down. I don't know why this is so fucking funny, but it is. Oh. Ah, calm it down. <laughs> Deep breaths. You might just want to move on to your next game. Settler yeah. 7. No, just next game. Settler just just like the other Settlers, but some minor uh, modifications. We're going we're gonna to circle back around to that. Don't worry. We don't need to give Settler 7 a reach round. No. <laughs> yeah, I do. So okay. what's the next game you The next game I've been playing the shit out of is Command Conquer 4 and finally finished that. I hear uh, in that one you, you totally get to bring your base with you. <laughs> you totally do get to bring your base with you. It's okay. It's about to cry again. <laughs> 
Wow. I think I'm high. <laughs> <laughs> what did they do to us at Red Robin? <laughs> my yeah, God. What did they do? My God, that's food. Uh, Command Conquer 4 really kind of blows compared to even like Supreme Commander. God, well, I almost called it Supreme even, Commander 4. Even compared to, like, like you're anything that Supreme Commander, Commander 2? 2 is not a good game. I know, I love uh, Supreme Commander 2. It's just Supreme Commander 2 is good, and by itself, Command and Conquer 4 would be good, but it's bad. <laughs> when you consider other things people have made. It's kind of like how uh, the G1 would have been the best phone ever if the iPhone didn't exist. No, actually, it probably wouldn't have. Yeah, it would have at the time, yeah. Would've. Oh, at the time, yeah. At the time, yes. At the time, yes. Uh, Command Conquer 4, you basically have these drop zones that you drop your base onto, and your base is pretty much a walking thing. Like an AT-AT walker in Star Wars. Honest to God, looks like a fucking fat (laughs) AT-AT. It does. I've seen this video. Compared to the normal AT-AT, which one would you fuck? Uh, (laughs) Which one is the more handsome? Oh, a Star Wars one. Star Wars one looks more like a horse. This looks more like a cow. Okay. Uh, yeah, but cows are dependable. Cows are. You can tip them. Horse will leave. Yeah. <laughs> Do you say whores or horses? <laughs> I'm pretty whores. sure I said horse. I think he's combining some different ideas here. Horse yeah. will leave. Uh-huh. Bitches leave! Robocop Peter Weller. And, and so the, uh, the full motion video acting, is it worse, is equal to, or, or better? Apparently they decided not to make it campy anymore, is that right? So it, it, they compared to, like, Command Conquer 3, which knew it was campy. Well, all the Command Conquerors knew they were campy. Yeah, but Command Conquer 3 I really see as, like, the height of it because it was all the people from TV and Michael Ironside and the, the Lost yeah. Gals. Mike, uh, Michael I don't know, James Earl Jones in the second one was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, but this... Damn they, it, what do you want, Kane? It, they completely do these videos in a vacuum uh, and treat it with such reverence and respect. Are they struggling for air? Yeah. <laughs> is, the, is the vacuum is that like just because they're limited in size? Like it's the inside of a dirt devil? So you can't hear them because I've seen oh, some of the video. Oh, and, and it looks like it looks like it looks like a janitor's janitor's closet of a soundstage. Uh, yeah, the soundstage on most of the the scenes you're looking at is probably smaller than the room we're physically in right now. And and it's stupid. They're supposed to be on a spaceship that's patrolling Earth for the GDI, and there are people standing with clipboards that have blank pages attached to them, and yet people are pretending like they weren't even. Their people turn around with these blank clipboards after they've been pretending to ride on. You see on the camera there's not a fucking thing on this white sheet of paper. Well, here's the other thing. If they're in a spaceship directing battles on the, on the ground of Earth, why are they still using clipboards with paper? And on top of that, why are they all standing in front of 1950s-era blinking light? I think the better question is, boxes? why do they have sound stages? The original, the last two of them were shot in front of green screens. I don't know. So they actually had props hanging. Oh, up yeah, my God. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, wow. That's they, just completely they're, different. They're standing direction. in front of floor to ceiling computers that have no visual output. It's all blinking lights and right. knobs. So apart from the uh, cutscenes, what what about the game? Didn't you like? Well, the game's just kind of broken. It really is. There there were missions that I had to restart because it was going to be quicker for me to restart them than to walk my fucking AT-AT across the map to a different zone to redeploy and build more shit. Well, maybe you should have been the AT-AT that flies. Well, and that's the thing. Then you have to sacrifice your unit, pretty much destroy any tactical advantage you have on the battlefield, wait a couple of moments for something else to drop somewhere on the map, 
And then let's say if you're defending this one portion over here, well, now all your engineers are gone. You have to rebuild them at the new flying thing and then send them back across the map to help the original place. Oh, geez. It, it, they were obviously trying something new and novel. It just didn't work out, and they shipped the game anyway. That Which happens. is probably why they didn't really advertise its release very much. Well, yeah, as, it just, just kind Peter of come point, out, didn't it? As Peter pointed out the other week, it just kind of appeared one day. Yeah, it's like they're ambushing uh, gamers. I just played I logged on to Steam. Like, oh, and and it just, and it was out. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and and for me, I, I remember seeing uh, like a preview of it just suddenly, like around I think Thanksgiving 2009. It said it's going to be out in 2010, and then suddenly it, it was well, like I saw April. A, I, I literally <laughs> saw a preview for the game like a week before it came out, and it didn't mention when the game was being released. I, or I don't remember. It's seeing a it. mystery to everyone, except EA. Yeah, uh, in the game, just. The multiplayer is not super That's fun either. All right. Well, I also played the shit out of Supreme Commander Two, which I really do love. Uh, this to me is an even better total annihilation than Supreme Commander One was. <laughs> you build huge robotic army things because it's being published by Square Enix now. There's actually a a fairly visible narrative that isn't stupid. And and that's the surprising part. It's I'd not stupid. I'd like to point out that the fact that it's not stupid means that Square Enix had nothing to do with it. <laughs> well, Square Enix, apparently, according to Chris Taylor and all the development diaries and crap, pushed for this hard. Yeah. Well, and, I'm just saying that they may have pushed for it, but they had nothing to do with it. <laughs> probably. Maybe not. Uh, I, I really did go into this game expecting uh, feminine-looking men uh, with long hair. <laughs> spiky hair. Spiky, thank you, spiky hair. You said you got robot genocide. Yeah, and uh, instead we just have an actual good narrative and uh, character depth to sort of faceless armies. That's always been the problem with Total Annihilation Supreme Commander, is that you're yellow robots fighting red robots. Mm -hmm. And where's the emotional connection there? Here, you're people, and you're just people in robots. In robots. robots. And a lot of the cutscenes, I mean, the cutscenes for the UEF, which is the traditional uh, sort of human North American human force uh, with tanks and treaded stuff. You start out talking to your wife back home that just had a baby and you've been separated from her from for six months or something. I'm assuming it's your baby. I, they, didn't, they didn't want to go <laughs> into that. Do you get to bring your own army? Uh, there is another <laughs> general totally that totally get to bring your own army? brings their own army, yes. Uh, this, the multiplayer also really kicks ass. Cool. It really does. Compared to the original uh, Supreme Commander, which the multiplayer was broken half the time because it relied on something called GPGNet, which is garage-powered games network, which was, I think, someone's 20% project at gas-powered games. Uh, they, it, it was down all the time. There were hundreds of patches, literally. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, 80 to 100 patches. Well, and that game came out right when dual-core systems were first yeah. becoming common, and it pretty much required a dual-core system to run. Indeed. So you had a lot of people, like it, me, when I first played Supreme Commander, who didn't have a system that could really run the game. So you'd be getting in there and playing multiplayer. It just sucked ass. It did. And also, you suck. Yeah, I'm pretty bad at oh, real RCS games. He, he is. I, I played with Listen, him. if it's not a real-time murder simulator, I don't want to have exactly. anything to do with it. Uh, and I guess beyond that, I played Settler 7, which, uh, to touch on just briefly, there's we, a we general, already talked about Settler 7. General that brings <laughs> totally his brings us. All right, on to the top well, 10. Uh, no, not yet. Uh, yes. The Settler 7, an Ubisoft game, online only. We don't, yeah, it's the DRM thing from. But And here's the thing. I honestly thought this is never going to affect me. My internet is completely reliable. Everything works fine. I bought this game. It downloaded. And when I came back to play it, I was literally Comcast was down for two hours and I couldn't fucking play the game. <laughs> 
You got well, what you deserve. So, big surprise, Ubisoft screws you in the end. Yes, and yes. at first I really thought it was Ubisoft because I have like Google Reader open, my mail, and nothing's giving me errors. Well, it's because everything aired out long ago because I left it open, so nothing was showing. Wow. And I'm clicking around Google Reader, and it's just there's not saying errors like it usually does. I'm just reading stories. And then I'm like, why aren't the pictures loading? That's weird. <laughs> and I then go on the line, nothing's working, and then, oh, it's not Ubisoft, it's me. Oh. Yeah. And the game, though, uh, really great social networking inter- interaction, talks to Facebook and publishes little stories. Uh, there's a really cool uh, game thing built in, it, its own achievement system, like Xbox Live's achievement and points. Uh, Peter is, again, masturbating his chest, because apparently <laughs> that's where his dick and testes are. That, that's, testicles. My, that's my They're emotion for, yes. I, I don't really care about achievement systems, they're stupid. Well, this isn't stupid because the achievement points are actually used to buy things in the game that you cannot spend real money on. Again, the chesticle motion, I <laughs> Why do they just give you the items? So because it gives people in a sense of accomplishment. Yeah, it does. Okay. A goal. Well, yeah. I mean, how come you just don't start the game at the end and beat it? Because you have to kill Because most games that Peter there. plays, that's what they are. But... <laughs> The multiplayer is what he plays for, so he doesn't give a shit about yeah, the rest of it. Yeah. Exactly. Battlefield Bad Company 2. Apparently there's a single-player campaign. I have no fucking clue about it. It may be good. Maybe I'll find out one day when my internet goes down. Uh, and the graphical engine that they built for uh, Settler 7 is actually pretty good. I was very impressed. Uh, it's nowhere near as good as Supreme Commander 2, but I actually would say by itself it's better than CNC 4. Cool. And then there's a general that totally brings his own army around. <laughs> All right, on to All the right, top 10. Hi, Vey. Let's go pee myself. Into our big segment of the night. The top ten RPGs of all time. Now, it should be noted, these are not in any specific order, because actually ordering... These the are in the games, greatest order possible. These are in the order of the first order of yeah, orders. So if we actually tried to assemble, like, a three of us agreeing on a list of, of top ten games, we would kill each other. It would yeah. be, like, maybe a two-person podcast, it, but it more was... likely whoever was stronger than the other two, it would be me talking about the games I really like. <laughs> Says the man who doesn't own a firearm. <laughs> Says the man who can bludgeon you to death if I so choose with a pen. Hey, he's dating a sarlacc. <laughs> hey, I've got a PS3. These hands are, hands I've got are registered. I've got a PS3, the, man. I'm the only one who's got a buttons. PS3. And the original PS3, you can bludgeon someone to death with. Yeah, if you could lift it. Yeah. Oh, snap. Snap. I'll attach I, it to a chain. I know there's a. a witty, <laughs> what is this full throttle? <laughs> <laughs> there's a witty Kindle comeback somewhere. I'm not, just not sure what it is. Well, it depends. It's the Kindle XL comeback. No, it's the Kindle 1. It's the original Kindle. It looks sharp on Once one Once again, edge. further proof that I would win in this fight. <laughs> it, look, it looks You're sharp on one discussing whether the Kindle will be a viable weapon. So this, uh, what, this what is, what's badass. our first game on there? BioWare! That's, that's not, not a game. A game. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, it's, that's it's, a company. No, it's BioWare! I guess if we... What are we going to want to go? The all-time list? Everyone's individual list? Our all-time list? list. No, we're going to the all-time list, because if we did individual list, we'd be here forever. Yeah. But that's what we're here for. And no one wants to hear you talk about Relic, because you would somehow bring up Relic in discussion. <laughs> well, Relic you know is you the greatest would. RPG company of all time, especially with Homeworld 2. <laughs> Storytelling is how much of is glorious. I it's cried so multiple good. times. I, I cried they get this the point. morning. We got the point. Karen's a jet. So what's our first game? <laughs> first game. <laughs> the first game, Dragon Age, and we all know why. Yeah. yeah. It, it came out recently, and it's really good. <laughs> so, so, of course, so yeah. As the introduction for those, those who who haven't listened to the podcast before, or who have not been living under a rock for the last year, uh, like me, or in a van down by the river, Bioware makes fantastic RPGs. They yes. know yeah. how to not only make it a true role playing game, 
You make choices, the choices have effects that actually influences the gameplay and the world, but also there's a really well-done storyline. And it, yes, it really had a, not just a storyline, but the, um, every game has like the alignment system, either good or bad, and you can do good or bad things. Everything in Dragon Age is this, there's no really 100% good solution Correct. to any Dragon problem. Dragon Age is a grayscale. So it's kind of what so, you, th- it's kind of what your opinion of what the right choice exactly. is. I think though that the, the, the Dragon Age does have, you can actually play the ultimate good choice Yes, and that that would and be it, like lawful good. Yes. Yeah, you can, can play. I mean, actually, I think you're, you're correct. The 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 old D and D alignment system. Actually, you can play along those yeah. lines. Every time going through all the major decisions in this game, I visualized that nine square table mm-hmm. of the lawful good through chaotic evil, of how people line up. I just killed the boy. Right, because you're chaotic evil. Yes. You kill people just and, because you and can. You, and you like killing <laughs> Not boys. because you want power, no, no, but no. because you can. No, 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 because I didn't want to go to the fucking mage tower. Okay, so maybe that's neutral evil. I'm lazy, <laughs> yeah. therefore I'm evil. Yeah, whatever lazy. Yeah, we could come up with it. wasn't that. evil, he was possessed. Knife the bitch. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's I think there's a challenge. got a lot of, a lot of death here. in that regards. <laughs> I, I really like to go. You know, we've had a whole slew of, of RPGs for computer and consoles where there really isn't choice. Like, there's an inventory system, there's leveling up, there's acquiring new items and such, but there's really no choice. And the heart of role playing games is you're playing a role, and, you're a, and your decisions and such actually modify the universe. And this was a fantastically well done. And the universe Roll had a lot game. more backstory than I've ever seen in a game. Oh my god! I think the only yeah, other we, game that I saw. This is something we discussed. I honestly yeah. think these guys could make millions of dollars just with a, a codex application for like the iPhone or Android, where they have uh, just you know the ability to go through all the lore in the game on your phone. I would, I as I'm driving around, I would be reading it. Yeah. Um, I, I and because yep, yep, yep. paying attention to the roads really overrated. <laughs> yeah. Stay clear of the uh, the hopper and eat of your hip. The, the only game I've actually seen with as much backstory as they put into this was... Homeworld uh, 2. No. Company absolutely Heroes. not. I was thinking uh, Mass Effect with its... Uh, the first Mass Effect. I was thinking... It had ongoing was. news stories that would play in the background. Mm-hmm. And... That actually kind of, meant something. Yeah, that actually meant something yes, that did. reflected what was going on. And that's... Dragon Age had all these people talking about what you were doing, but it also had those uh, books, all the books that you could find, and just read about the whole backstory about the the chantry and all that sort. Of, yeah, that sort of thing, if you will. Well, it, it, like a lot of a lot of the a lot of RPGs will actually talk about individual things about the universe. They'll be mm-hmm. like, "We're have this this RPG deals a lot with the religion, so we're going to talk about the religion this way." Whereas this, you know, Dragon Age has a whole bunch of stuff that's maybe not essential to the storyline that they talk about. And Dragon Age's adult sexuality is also uh, interesting because they built it in such a way that isn't repulsive or scary. Well, the the graphics. Were the kind the of graphical scary. representation <laughs> does look like two. But it didn't feel like players. it was like it didn't feel like a part of the game. Like and now here's boobs. It, it yeah, wasn't it like in it didn't wasn't feel like in like Mass the, Effect where you're just like and now here's an ass shot. Yes, in Mass Effect it did seem like that this is uh, the normal narrative stuff of well we have to include love interests so let's tag it on. This seemed like this is just part of the world because you didn't have to have a love interest. You didn't, you didn't want no to. exactly. And it, this was so much so, so wasn't the normal binary uh, of it either. Correct. It's, it's, it's usually it's like. Oh, you have two options. You can sleep with girl A, girl B, yeah, sometimes and, you girl know, C. Girl A is the good girl, and girl B is the nasty lady. Or the and then girl. the elf. Yeah, or, or <laughs> it will be you can have sex with these throwaway characters that you'll never meet again in the game, and it has or, no impact whatsoever. Or you know, you can even have the interesting role playing elements of it. Is like I, 
I fell for this woman. I, I made love in her bed, and then she, uh, you know, hurt my feelings, so I had her killed. Yeah. I sent her alone to go and, you know, fight off some big golem, and she was crushed. Oh, you did that? <laughs> no, but you can. Oh, you could. Oh, you could do that in Mass Effect too. You could actually pick a party member to go back with some group of people at the end of the game, uh, yes. and they'll die every time. Yes. So I just sent off the one person who I didn't like. I, I saw that someone died. I reloaded it. Did and she? I sent off did the she giggle like. at Shepard? Shepard. No. Man, you're vindictive. Yeah. The tattooed girl was me. Peter Spurt. Not one to cross. Peter will murder you. Peter always murders everyone. So yeah, D Dragon Age really wins out for having an immersive uh, universe. You really felt like you're part of a story, and it all really made yeah. sense and uh, felt right. I guess is part of why I liked it. It just it felt, felt holy right. and just. Yes, holy and just. So. The second game on our list is... The series. It's a the, series. This the time. second series on our list for game number two. Our only... The first, the first series, series on our list. I'm going to name an entire company. <laughs> <Yeah>. Bioware. <laughs> Wait a second. Uh, no, this, is, this, is, this isn't Bioware. Yeah, it's Homeworld 2. No, it's Fallout. It's Fallout the series. Yeah. Right. One, two, and three. Brotherhood of Steel. <laughs> yes, the <laughs> PS2 action masterpiece. Yes, which is... That no one liked. Yeah. That is our favorite Fallout. Nick, what's your favorite Fallout? Uh, my favorite Fallout is Fallout 2. Uh, I think I, I spent the most time in that one. I actually think I like Fallout 1 the most. Fallout really? 3. What about Fallout 1 and Fallout 3 did you guys made, makes you choose them? For me, it was the introduction to the universe, and not that I'm a, a, a really... You're an originalist? Yeah, I'm not an originalist, but for me, I think that had the most interesting atmosphere that it created. And, and it's, for me, playing Fallout 3... Yeah. Some of the engine just kind of feels wrong the same way that Oblivion did. Mm -hmm. It just it kind of feels like things aren't stuck in the world like they should be. That everything's too light, and like there's not enough gravity. That everyone's kind of not real. It just and I that's kinda, I kind of got that feeling yeah, out of it's, it. It's it, really it, just it, an engine thing. I mean, there's just everything. Yeah, it's the way the characters yeah. are rendered. Yeah, I, it, I just really like Fallout Three. It just spoke to me more. I think it's because it's Liam Neeson. less. Yeah, it's Liam, it's Liam Neeson, Neeson for the first for the first five minutes. Does does the the fact that it's a first person perspective um, uh, make it more meaningful for you? Because you you, for you me, tend yeah. to like first person shooters. Yeah, yeah, he's a Western first person. person. We're Japanese. <laughs> I, I'm you know, I like the first two Fallout games. It's just Fallout Three to me, uh, and it felt like a Fallout game. I think that's what because yeah, there were a lot of people who were mad that you know, oh man, Fallout Three's first person. It's not a Fallout game and. I played the whole the game all the way through, and I'm like, this felt like a Fallout game. It was just a different perspective, and I really dug the storyline and how they got more into the uh, what was the faction, the Enclave, which was the mm -hmm. the leftover United mm -hmm. States, and I, I just I really liked how it went through it, and it took you back to the old uh, that weird virtual world. I just I, I, I really liked everything in Fallout Three. I like stuff in Fallout Two. Zeta. I never didn't play any of the DLC. Well, that's why you don't like it as much as I didn't. <laughs> So yeah, I, I like Fallout Two. Um, I played through Fallout One before I played Fallout mm -hmm. Two, so I, I did everything in the actual order the games came out. And uh, Fallout One was great. I loved the storyline. I felt more connected to the Fallout Two storyline. It felt more organic. It felt less like the first one was so so concerned with establishing what the universe was that I yeah. felt like it really left out of what it could do. Yeah. Hmm. So it, it was showing all this promise. But they didn't really ever really come through all the way on that promise for me. Okay. Whereas Fallout 2 took the universe they had created an origin for, and they'd, they'd really done all this back work for, and it really it reveled in everything they had. And that was really a big thing in the 90s, where usually the sequel to a, uh, to a game, to a successful game, was better yeah. than the first one, because the first game always just kind of established everything. So you got the feeling sometimes you're being rushed around. And then in the second game, they kind of 
took everything and just kind of went with it. They didn't have to explain anything. Yeah, and, and with with it using basically the same system the first one did. Mm-hmm. I mean, thing since they didn't have to do as much technical work, it freed them up to do a lot more. Okay, well, we, we've got this idea. We can yeah, now make special things for. I mean, they could spend more like time how on your favorite Homeworld is Homeworld Two. Yeah, it's because it's better. <laughs> but so I, I just I, I like pretty much every section of the game. I liked how many small little detailed things you could do. Yeah, I, I liked that you could become a porn star. I mean, it's just yes. completely random and yes. hilarious. Yes. And there's all these great, really funny moments, like the random encounters in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them were the same old, oh, there's some giant scorpions, blah, blah, blah. But, Fucking rad scorpions. But then there's these sometimes, and it was just hilarious what, what, kind of, what kind of stuff that you'd run into in the middle of the desert. I don't even remember half of them, but they're great. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, for me, that's what Fallout was, and I, I think I was more interested in just kind of like, this is a brand new universe that I'm not familiar with. I've, I've never been... And it wasn't like Sword the, and Sorcery, so it yeah, wasn't like exactly. something you were immediately familiar and with. And I'd never been a steampunk or cyberpunk kind of guy, and this kind of spoke to me differently from all the other ones. Like, there was a Hacker or, like, .NET, like, before yeah. these games, it had the same kind of feel. Yeah. But this mm-hmm. this seemed real to me, like someone actually handcrafted these games. A, a very well handcrafted sci-fi RPG. Yeah. And, you know, they we, get, we, get, we get so few of them. Yeah, uh, I, they overall. pretty much are all Star Wars or Star Wars knockoffs. Yeah. yeah. Which, speaking of Star Wars, number three on our list, The Knights of the Old Republic. On the PS1. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we covered this the, the other week where it was, was my top game for 2000-2010. Uh, yes. And uh, so my opinions of it are already pretty well substantiated. It was, it was a, an, you another Bioware game. Those, yes. Mm-hmm. Another Bioware game. Great writing. It was a... A uh, new look at Star Wars universe that actually made it compelling again. A pretty good uh, morality system too. Good morality um, system. It did, yes. In that you could be a bad Jedi, good Jedi, or a real middle of the road Jedi, which is where my guy stayed the whole time. I was also really glad to be able to use thermal detonators <laughs> because if you really pay attention in Star Wars, they never actually use a thermal detonator. Except yeah. in the books. They threaten to use a they thermal They threaten detonator. to use a thermal no, detonator. No, there are no never books. Shut the fuck up about the Star Wars books. There no, are no I, books. I remember the good books, like the thermal detonator that was thrown down the Skyhook chamber and it blew up the thing in the Skyhook books. You don't remember that? No? Isn't Skyhook... Wasn't that like a scandal at the, <laughs> in the military or something? What the fuck are you talking about? No, you're, there was... It, no, not we to don't. Go on a huge tangent, but there, in one of the book series, there's a guy that runs the trading company that Luke oh, like, gets involved with. Yeah, the and, uh, and Dark has, Empire. Yes, thank you. The and one he, that takes place in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. It was absolute you. garbage. No, it it was somehow had really a soundtrack. Good. It was really Dark good. Dark Empire didn't take... take Take place then. What was the one? You think Dark Empire is the Dark Horse uh, comic? That's right. Line. What was the one that they had the bad Nintendo sixty four game? Who cares? Yeah, good point. It had nothing. So to do uh, with. what else? Uh, the lightsabers look pretty cool. The yeah. lightsabers look cool. I did like that they were given permission to pretty much create a universe yeah. ten thousand years before the Star Wars movies. Yeah, they just got it's, way out of the, the way. It's the old Republic. They can basically build a universe. One of my favorite things is uh, Hunter Killer Droid. Just my favorite party member in almost Query Master. <laughs> Sarcasm. Placating tone. You know, of course. They, there not there needs to be like uh, ringtones exclusively in that voice in the way. There do, talking. yes. Especially stating the emotion uh, and the... Uh, even even better, that should be the voice that does navigation for GPS stuff. <laughs> and it should be like sarcasm. Turn left, dumb. And it should make it should make make you know, things like <laughs> Affirmation. Yes, we shall turn right and kill the people at the, at the, at the first house. I just love his questions about the sloshing keeping you up at night. It does me. Yeah. It does me too. 
Oh, what's next on the list? Another Bioware game. So we are now a four, or three out of four Bioware. And I think we limited ourselves as just just three. Yeah, we don't have oh. any more Bioware. Episodes. Well, we really, really desperately wanted to put Jade Empire in here, but but we <laughs> I couldn't love come. Jade Empire. We for like, I like Jade Empire for what it was. Where in the list? I think uh, I beat it in like fifteen hours. Though. Mass like Effect was just too much of an action game. It definitely turned into a third-person action game. So this is the last. This is the Bioware last, game. Yes, the Bioware. Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate. The hey, Andrew. Andrew, why? Do you like Baldur's Gate? I well, believe it it's really, our first dot right there. Uh, yes. Let me just uh, go through and delineate to you the entire backstory and plot narrative of both of these no. games and expansion packs. Specifically, what we experienced in Tales of the Sword Coast, the expansion pack to Baldur's Gate 1. Let me tell you, it was quite a ride. <laughs> I cried. I <laughs> <laughs> But do tell. What about what what about what about the game? I mean, it had well, it had actual memorable characters. It had the boo, art direction was boo really and good. Minsk or boo Minsk and Boo. Boo. So yeah, I mean that's all we need to say about Boo and Minsk. So, so for me, when, when I when I play Baldur's Gate, is that the actual characters like I actually remember them afterwards. Yes, and most RPGs like after you're done playing, you're just like, oh the, yeah, there was see, that here's what's person really funny. in that. I don't remember any of the characters except for the hamster. Right. It's a character. Well, it's yeah. possessed by a character. No, but it's the only one I remember from the series. Really? I don't remember. I barely remember anything from Baldur's Gate. There was a lot to take away. I mean, it's just... I didn't take any away. I loved the game. I remember loving the game. Hmm. hmm. I just... Because the, 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 usually you have, you're like, oh, I have my wizard, I have my archer, exactly. or, or whatever. And they and actually, they they actually had very distinct personalities. Personalities, yeah. yeah. This, I think we had talked about uh, when we were formulating this list. To me, this was like the first super successful D&D tabletop transition to a video game. I mean, this yeah. was like the perfect representation of old school D&D in an RPG. Well, Which is too bad that it was, yeah. it was based off of AD&D rules because I yeah. hate those rules. But it was a very faithful part of the translation of it. Which yeah. people love and hate. Yeah. I uh, I like the uh, the turn-based system that they had the pause the turn -based around, system was and great. that's been copied an awful lot, even without the D and D rules. It was done extremely well in this game. Allow you to formulate uh, a plans of attack for yeah. different. Uh, you pause the action, issue yeah, attack situations. It's, it's been used in pretty much every single RPG they've done since. Yeah, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, Dragon Age. One of the other super great things about this game, it, it really was hand-painted. I mean, they long, long documentaries and exposés on how they built the graphics for this game. Yeah. And all beautifully hand-painted, too. Beautifully hand-painted. They literally painted the, the entire uh, zones that you go into and then just set points that you can walk on so it's not like you're walking up the side of a building. But Why not? I had, I had a problem playing through like, one particular moment that stood out to me was I was going into a map zone where I was supposed to kill like a, a camp of gnolls mm -hmm. and I actually got killed because I was like admiring the way that the scenery was done. Mm -hmm. Like I just wasn't paying attention because <laughs> that, that I was is, like, this is really pretty. Real well, quick, that is, is one of the only, the, that's one of the common things you'll hear about Nick whenever he's playing a game is he'll get killed because he's looking at something pretty. I was pretty. reading it. There was this no, one time I, we were playing... I'm admiring the artistry. Than Literally, there the was this one time we were playing World of Warcraft. I'm like, Nick, I need help. He's like, no, no, I have to mine some gold first. <laughs> that's not admiring the beauties in that. That's just recognizing a good economic opportunity. Exactly. And what you... kind of a communist are you? <laughs> yes, exactly. The gold's more important than your respawnable life. <laughs> exactly. Jeez. God, I don't some, know. Some gold farmer will take it if you don't. Yes. <laughs> exactly. uh, but also this game had a lot of patches over its life cycle. I mean, even it just... Got, it improved an awful Long yeah. life cycle. Yes. And was this the one, or was it Neverwinter Nights that had all the add-on, that had the uh, campaign system that you 
players could build. Neverwinter Nights. There's Neverwinter Nights. That, that, that's right. The Aurora tool set, if I remember Right, right. Correctly. That's right. But the Baldur's Gate had a tool set, too. It just wasn't... It wasn't as robust. It was nowhere near as it robust. It was very, very uh, simplistic by comparison. I know. I tried to create a campaign in it. Oh, my and God. I'm, I, all, yes. I must have sunk like 10 hours in my mm-hmm. before I was like, no one will ever play this, and it won't make sense. And it was extremely difficult to get good art assets into the mm, game. Yeah. Uh, to make it look right, and then to create the paths. And let's face it, Microsoft Paint. This is not up no, to that's so good. Tree with your freeform. Uh, I would mouse. have liked to see Nick's freeform uh, Baldur's Gate stick figure adventure myself. It, it'd be like it, 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 uh, Adventures in Escherland. Well, yeah, that too, or the Hitler Youth. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Next on our list is game number the five. The entire Ultima series. Yes, which so is it's a second series of games. A second. Well, this is a third series. Third of series games. of games because oh, we yeah. did Baldur's Gate Ultima. This is basically the granddaddy of all RPGs, both this... on the console and the PC. Indeed, uh, Ultima really did start the trend for the guy who started the Western whole RPGs, J- Western RPGs, but Japanese RPGs as well. The guy who yeah. created Dragon Warrior actually said he wanted to make a Japanese version of Ultima. Oh, he actually set out with that. Some of it was based off Has of he ever uh, met Richard Garriott? I have no idea. Did he regret that decision? I don't know. Okay. If I didn't know if he met him, how would I know the the following? That's not important. It is important. The important thing is is that uh, it was the first time you had the whole character creation system uh, on a CRPG with the racing class, really carrying over the pen and paper RPG aspect to uh, to any computing system. And the way that they set up your character still today remains very unique. Right. Everything else, you literally go to an Excel table and hit plus and minus buttons to put dexterity and willpower in this stuff. This game asks you natural language questions on what you would do in certain situations and then builds a character class for you. Right. Actually, Something I've actually always always liked was when they actually... It's really good because it fits the kind of character you would play. Yeah. As it actually, this is what you would do in the situation, then you probably more than likely are going to be a mage. And it puts and it puts you into the position of starting right at the, at the beginning of a game thinking, how if this was my character, what kind of person do I want them to exactly. be? Yeah. Rather than thinking of, oh, I want to minim- minimize or maximize my ability to do hit with this kind of weapon. Mm-hmm. It's more of, well, I want to be a kind of sneaky bastard, or I want to be a brilliant manipulator of magic. I really like that getting people in the mindset of you're playing a character. And this is what RPGs going are. Going off that, it was one of the first games that actually had an alignment system. It did. Uh, it, Ultima 4 yeah. had it. It was the first one that had it. And it, save for Ultima Online, the Ultima series is one of my favorite RPGs for the fact that it almost completely disassociated the statistics of the things that you use in the game from the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Almost every other RPG is based on, oh, well, this is going to be two more dexterity, this is going to be four more willpower, let's take this weapon over the one I have. Right. In which this game... It really didn't care about that as much as the actual actions that you undertake in the game. That that there's not an emphasis on the uh, kind of Excel spreadsheets that a lot of RPGs tend to have built into it. Yeah, yeah, and also the Ultima series was the basically the first big MMO game. Yes, yeah, Ultima, Ultima Online was Ultima the gave first birth big to one. Ultima Online, EverQuest, WoW, everything was everything based, was off, based of how, off of Ultima Online. How Ultima Online started, and things. and the horrible mistakes that Electronic Arts and Origins <laughs> made <laughs> uh, of this man birth. It, it, I mean, it was almost stillborn, but you know, not in the way that I guess I would normally describe it. It was stillborn the way that they kind of broke it from the get go. Yeah, yeah, but you really liked. I mean, people I really liked, liked the game. They, the you had never seen any game like it before. Never. Yeah, well, that yeah. was the first time I remember really 
like when Ultima Online came out, it was the first time I remember the mass media really going crazy over people dedicating their lives to games. Well, I, I think also the mass media took a more simplistic view over it, that this is the very first game that has a monthly cost to it. And at yeah. the time, that was mind-blowing. $10 a month for an RPG. Good God, that's cheap. I know, compared to World of Warcraft, 15 bucks a month. Or 12 yeah. months if you get six months. Uh, six well, months yeah, they didn't even have those to begin mm-hmm. with. Uh, and that I really think that's what, what most of the media attention was focused on, is this is a game you have to lease. Yeah. Yet at the right. same time, cable uh, uh, c- cable for your household is sixty bucks a month. Exactly. But it was also yeah. one of the few it's times so, so weird for them to actually like. It's one of the raise few uh, MMO RPGs. It's actually really an RPG. The, the cities evolved yes. as the game progressed. Uh, players could this, just run around and break into anyone's this world house. Was completely castles. wide open. I mean, it has probably at, and possibly even now still the most complex economy system or, or player run economy, player run housing, player I, run I think crafting. Eve Online has, has a beat. Okay, now. that's true. And, and but Eve still, Online it really, took how long for for another yeah, game for another, to for another game to be as open? Came out what seven years later, two thousand four, two thousand four, two thousand five. Yeah. Uh, and, and EVE Online is really much more of an Excel spreadsheet game oh, than yeah. Ultima Online has ever been. Yeah. Uh, and, and still, I think this is 13 years later, Ultima Online is still going strong. It still has about, I think, a quarter million users. Sometime in the last seven years, it inverted, and most of the subscribers, I believe, now are Oceanic. They're uh, yeah. Southeast Asia uh, yeah. cultures. And, and then, of course, then they've started to build the game in that way with expansion packs that are very Southeast Asian-based. Uh, a lot of Buddhism and ninjas and that kind of uh, know, know your customer base art style, yeah. yeah, which which is very strange. I think we've talked briefly in one former podcast or previous podcast about how suddenly there's like a world <laughs> inside of your world that is it's like an Aztec temple that is managed by uh, robots. Persian robot ninjas yeah. <laughs> that fight on behalf of Lord. Yeah, so, so is this totally a Palladium game then? <laughs> it's, it's like bizarre. So what's next? Next we have game number six, which is your two dipshit favorites, Chrono Trigger, and I'll let you go after it. Have fun. We felt, we felt like we had to include at least one Japanese RPG. If I remember correctly, be... we actually called this the Japanese Emissary. Yeah, That's they... what you called it. That's what we called it. <laughs> that's, that's well, what's I, I didn't realize we were that screen. close to <laughs> that what you want it's, is what it's, we want. You know, it's it was, the Emissary it's of the It's one JRPG. of the few console JRPGs that you actually start out Every JRPG seems to start out like a third of the way into the story. Your character is already some general Indeed. or some rebel. This game, you, you wake up and it's Carnival Day, and that's where the whole thing takes off from, is that the story starts when the game starts. It's mm-hmm. not like, hey, you just stole something, so here you are on a train. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, also, um, it's one of the few that... One of the problems why I don't want to put JRPGs on the list of actual RPGs is that there is no, there's no choice. That, yeah. that they're, they're, they're like rail what you what you deter what you what you, 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 don't, you don't ever decide what to do. Mm-hmm. There you can spend you can spend time doing side side objectives, but you never say, "Well, I'm going to respond to the situation in this way." You mm-hmm. you kill everything. Mm-hmm. They're, they're kind of like do. Diet Coke RPGs if you had to compare them to something. So I think that is a horrible analogy. A, a lot of a lot of uh, people believe All the same that same taste, less filling. <laughs> horrible. A lot of people horrible. believe that RPGs are really it's anything that has an inventory anytime that you level up or anything like that. And that's really not what the heart of a role playing game is. What role playing is is playing a role, yeah. making choices, following through the way that your character would. Yeah. And so that's why most JRPGs really aren't true role playing games. Now Chrono Trigger does have a lot more. Mm-hmm choice you do make more decisions it's still fairly you're going to get to the end result one way or another yeah. but 
I mean, pretty much all RPGs have that eventually. Yeah, but. and it has a talking frog. And it has a talking frog. <laughs> I think also this uh, contributes to the list quite well because it's probably one of, beyond the Final Fantasy, most successful uh, Eastern RPGs of an intellectual property that's not famous in the Western Actually, world. What's really funny is uh, Chrono Trigger didn't sell well here in America when it first but came it had out. it a long tail. But then everyone really started liking it after Final Fantasy got yes. big. And then it came back out on the PlayStation, and that's really where it took off. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I always liked about Chrono Trigger, it was the only game that involved time travel that Wasn't it actually made sense. Because yeah. <laughs> a lot of other games, uh, you know, you go back in time to kill the guy to stop him from sending himself forward in time where you fight him anyways, mm-hmm. and then you just kind of cut this loop. And this game actually had a reason for the different jumps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's not Fantasy Star Online. <laughs> Nick it's- loved that game. Uh, I played it for a little bit. Yeah. On the Dreamcast. <laughs> yes. And uh, let's see, game number seven oh, on the God. list is the System most terrifying Shock video game 2. ever. System Shock 2, man. System I, Shock 2. I could only play like <laughs> I only played like <laughs> ten minutes of it. And I was like, okay, this is not for me. Yes, Nick does not have please, a stomach. Please don't I, I am, atmospheric, uh, I am not a, a horror fan. I am a little girl beyond belief. But it wasn't I, like a horror game that was like a psychological horror game. It really messed with it, your it mind. It was terrifying. It was a psychological game. I, I liked the character creation system as you go through, you, you pick how your career gets developed yes. as you're training. So it's a tutorial slash character building exercise. Now this game, uh, we will give, there are some cliches. You start out as an amnesiastic. Amne- no, you, you know amnesiastic. what happened. Yes. Amne- no, you know what happened. No, we only find out through logs. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. thank you, sir. Y- you know what happened He's before. He's reviewing a different game. No, no, no. You, you remember what happened before <laughs> He's like, oh, the shit, it is stranded. a Fantasy Star Online. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, you, you start, you wake up. Because you know your history, but then you don't know how the ship got that way. Well, you don't even know your history at the beginning, if I remember correctly. No, that's part of the character development. You actually say, I was a Marine, and I well, went to the Navy, system. Marine. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, but beyond that, it does start a, a lot of the cliched ways that some of these games do, where you wake up with no knowledge of how you got there, what's happening. Yeah, you don't know what happened to the ship. Yeah, and necessarily that even that you're on a ship. Yeah, I was about to say. The ship is ju- until <laughs> well, spoiler you, alert, this is a science fiction game. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, Great villain. Death needs silence. I really thought Shodan was probably one of the best villains. Shodan has been multiple times voted the greatest computer gaming villain. And her her, her minions, the telepath, the telekinetic monkeys. Yes, I hated those fucking <laughs> things. This game had such an atmosphere, and the reason why I this to me has such a, a dear place in my heart. Not only is it one of Warren Spector's magnum opus, it wasn't games. his game. It was Ken Levine. That's thank you. Warren Spector made the first one. Yeah, thank you. I, I for some reason I see them as the same person <laughs> because they keep crisscrossing. They keep making the same type of shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this this is part of their magnum opus. Uh, the, the atmosphere in this game was unbelievably dense. It's, it's the only way. time I actually, you know, in Bioshock, they try to make it seem like you're alone in, in uh, Rapture. And I never really felt that way. But in System Shock 2, like... You are alone. You 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 knew you were alone. And yes. as you wandered around these corridors, I mean, there was nothing. There was yeah, no... The comparison in There Bio- was no life. It was dead. In Bioshock, you, you literally run into human beings in the first five minutes. Yeah, they're crazy, but they're, they're human yeah. beings. In, in, Bio- in System Shock, System Shock yeah. you, you run into people, what, an hour? Two in? Yeah, and, and they're and, they're crazy cybernetic things. And the entire way through, and this is where the atmosphere came from. Unbelievable musical score for a game like this. It was really mm-hmm. good. And 
The silence. Like, the as silence. you just walk around there the level. There is silence. There is you walking. And then it starts in with you hear something, like, in the distance. It's quiet, yeah. but it's there. And then you start to see shadows of things moving down hallways. And, I mean, it really is a creepy it, game. Yeah. Great attention to detail. I mean, yes. the... the, the you you see a lot of horror movies these days that don't even master those those, no, those yeah, ideas. Very much so. And to put those in a game, especially when no other games were really doing that kind that level of psychological warfare on you on yeah. the player. Yeah. I mean, I remember when Pete was playing through it, he would he would like play for a little bit, and then I would talk to you and be like, I, I can only play that for a little while. And I could play the game for like fifteen twenty minutes, and, and then, then I'd like, go done. do something else. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, no, and, and I'm an I'm an innie. I I wouldn't be, I I seriously I started playing a little bit at, at Peter's house one day, and I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I, actually, I, I went to play through. I went to the other room and played Nintendo, and Nick just comes out and says, "I'm done." Yeah. <laughs> now, I, it, to, it to give you guys a comparison uh, to anyone who's never played it, uh, play the recent Alien vs. Predator. The in the Marine campaign, there's an entire level where. You think the aliens are going to attack you, but it's one of those levels where they hint that the aliens are there, mm-hmm. but you never actually see them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the things come up on your motion tracker. So how does it build up suspense? Does it get quiet? No, the music starts being like, it starts being dramatic mm-hmm. like you're going to get in this gunfight. And that doesn't build tension. That's just a cocktail. It builds expectation. Right. Yeah, you're like, yeah. all right, a gunfight. Oh, it was just a car. You know, it's just like, yeah. that's, not, that's not suspense. In uh, System Shock 2, you could just get through this this wave of enemies and the rest of the level you never see anything yeah and they won't even hint that they're there yeah. they're just mm-hmm. nothing and you're just like oh shit there's gonna be something there has to be there, yeah there has to be there, there. atmosphere yes. I think it when it comes down to System Shocks 2 is like 90% atmosphere is what everyone loved about it, I game. think it's 95% atmosphere this game was all atmosphere it, I mean it was a pretty bare bones product for what yeah. it actually showed you but the game was amazing for and what it made you feel ending was Ball suckingly fantastic. Yes. That there are a lot of twists and turns. Uh, yeah. Expectations are kind of flipped when you're in the game, and and not only the character creation but the weaponry and the upgrades mm-hmm. and the me, constant having to keep your weapons prepared. Yeah. You don't even want to shoot your gun half the time. I know. You don't know if it'll there's survive. Such limited ammo, such limited uh, regen, uh, such limited repair kits that you fire a weapon a couple times and uh, you know its structural integrity goes from 100 to 80 percent. And you're thinking, well. I hear something down. I see movement down the hallway. Do I use this or do I go with one of those psychic plasma thingy like the Adam? Thank you. Yeah. No, Adam's Bioware. Bioware. Uh, It's the same format. Yeah, it's like tech tech something. Wow. (laughs) Well, I mean, you literally both of them. You're holding like a ball that goes into your vein and your wrist. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like Yahtzee said, it's it's not Adam. It's different. Yeah. Uh, Uh, So what's next? But and and then I just want to say I love I loved it. I loved it so bad. So what's next? Number eight is continuing on the tread of amazingly atmospheric games, Deus Ex. Never yeah. never got it. I did not get this and, game. And also, yet again, another really great example of a science fiction RPG, RPG which is so so rare compared yes. to the fantasy RPGs. And this yeah. is the Warren Spector. This is Warren Spector. This is yes. the Warren Spector, yes. This okay. is Warren Spector's... John Romero felt that this game proved that Ion Storm was a great company. And you have to admit, if you actually look at all the titles that Ion Storm put out, Daikatano was the, was the real... That and Dominion were real shit. And the Deus Ex series, keeping Warren Spector around, was really smart. I'm trying to remember if I liked Dominion. That was Dominion. really good. Hmm? I'm trying to remember if I liked Dominion. No one liked Dominion. I, might I don't even remember most of it. But anyways, Deus Ex... But yeah, so Deus Ex, um, it's a, one of the first times we actually see a real cyberpunk 
Yeah, actually, yeah. Game. This is, I think, the most successful cyberpunk game, maybe even still to this point. Which you would think would be so much more popular yeah. on a computer. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, supposedly, it, oh, cyberpunk is you know all about computers and networks and such. Well, and it's Shadowrun. <laughs> I think but, the big but, one before this was wasn't it called like hacker.net or something yeah, like something that. Yeah, something like that. Or something like that. Dot or dot no, it was um The Ripper starring Christopher Walken as a Okay, cybernetic Jack the Ripper was killing people well, over the internet. But yeah, I mean, the, Christopher it's, Walken cut his up, forehead open. It's amazing how few actual cyberpunk or, or anything like that kind of titles really have come out that have been really good. Mm-hmm. And actually, in Deus Ex was fantastic. It wasn't just good; it actually hits the genre correctly and runs with it. I think we also need to clarify, and I don't believe how we missed this on both, but both System Shock Two and Deus Ex are first person right. games. Uh, everything up except for Kotor on this list so far, I'm pretty sure. And, and Fallout Three. And, well, yeah, but they're all the rest are isometric, mm-hmm. uh, top down, yeah, top down, yeah, three quarter view games. Uh, this Deus Ex and System Shock are first person right. perspectives, which part of their uniqueness in the role playing universe up until it became popular in the last couple of years. To you know, if you're going to build a role playing game, it's going to be 3D and use the Unreal Engine. Yeah. <laughs> which this used. You're right, it did. It used the original Unreal Unreal Tournament engine. My goodness, I completely forgot that, yeah. This game set the standard for everyone using the Unreal Engine. This kind of gave birth (laughs) to the modern FP RPG. FP RPG? Yeah. I I would say System Shock 2 did, but... Well, no, this is a Looking Glass Studios technology that they used, right? Yeah, it was. No, it was irrational through Looking Glass. But didn't they use the same engine for Thief and all that stuff? I don't know. Yeah, they did. But but I, I would say that this is also one of the first, and really, it's one of the best instances of a game where you can achieve objectives multiple different ways. Yeah. Still, most games don't do that. Like, you end up doing the same thing. Most games, you go it's, through the front door shooting. Exactly. And that's What's why, wrong with that? That's why we left a lot of the JRPGs <laughs> off, is they're linear uh, roller coaster rides. Mm-hmm. You know exactly where it's going. There's nothing you can do about it. This game was so unique in that if you had to go in into this factory to find something, you had four ways to do it, and you had no idea you could do three of them. I mean, mm-hmm. you have like the obvious go in the front door, guns blazing. But if you look around, lurk in the shadows, you can find there's a way to jump up on boxes and then go through the air vents and look down. There's a way to bribe someone that will go in and tell you exactly where everyone is so that you have a form of attack. You have the option to like get up on the roof and then jump down through a window. I mean, there's... And, and all of these actually change the situation inside, uh, much like the Schrodinger's cat example. You literally had different things happen based on how you went in. Yeah. Yeah. Which, in any other FPS or even RPG game, if you went in a different way, uh, you just have everyone point at you and start firing. I would like to point out, uh, of all the games on the list, uh, Deus Ex is the only one that you don't need to do something special to your computer to get it to run right now. Since it's a DirectX 3D game, yeah. you could get a CD off the shelf and put it in any modern computer and play it. Yes. So you can, and, well, you guys, and well worth the if any you cost haven't you're played it, playing. like that is well worth five dollars. You can get it off it Steam and GOG.com, yep. but you can actually, if you probably. find it at a garage sale, you, this is one of the few games that you can actually take the original disc and still play it on Vista. Or we, we would or urge you to like buy that. it online that actually pays the royalties to the publisher and developer, whereas yeah. a garage sale just pays the old woman down the street. <laughs> Why is she playing Deus Sex? I thought <laughs> kids died in a car accident. Grandkids. That's oh, horrible. That's awful. It's not supposed to be funny. All right, it's just what's next right, on our list? So moving on. <laughs> well, are we really done with it so far? I mean, uh, 
Yes. Un- believable sunglasses, great conspiracies. Great conspiracies, yeah. Great. Once again, a good, a good storytelling game. I, in fact, can we? I think we had talked about this, that this might be one of the greatest written games. Mm-hmm. Especially for that era, uh, for when it came out. I think out, for, for that year, era, I wouldn't out. put it all uh, If you compare, if you put it up with, uh, like, Bioware's recent games, it's it's not going to win for out. For me, this is in my top five of best written games. I, I, I definitely think it's up there. Yeah. It's a, it was a very well-written game. Um, I mean, obviously, you still remember all um, a lot of the intricacies of mm-hmm. uh, of the storyline. Yeah, it'd be in in the tie-ins with all of these sort of national consciousness conspiracies, like the Majestic Twelve and yeah, the Illuminati. It, it, yeah. it has it has yeah. a, it had a lot of uh, it was really X Files. It, 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 it was it was it was X Files tied into uh, cyberpunk futuristic RPG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was it was nerd fan service in a lot of ways in that regards. It's like best nerd boners ever. Which it, how <laughs> how successful was was Deus Ex? Like I remember it was actually successful it, for it, an it, RPG. It was, it was very, very successful. successful. It was it was Ion Storm's best-selling game, which isn't saying much, but I also think it was until i think next to the tomb raider games it was the best-selling idos game as well it might have been it also this uh, had an unbelievably long tail too they made a sequel deus ex in invisible war yeah which wasn't well received i played through it haven't finished it yet it was okay uh it, it used it like a unreal two engine was kind of uh, silly but yeah the long tail of deus ex was good I, I think they sold millions of copies over the last decade yeah uh, number nine, uh, specifically, we settled on Elder Scrolls Three. Right. Morrowind. Well, you guys did. Wait, you, no. You decided Morrowind. You decided, you decided Morrowind. Oblivion. Sorry, I misread Elder Scrolls series. <laughs> it says three-way tie for which one. <laughs> yeah, each of us had a, diff- I, I had a different it. Elder Scrolls yes. game that we. Liked. I'm like, I didn't think everyone agreed. Andrew, with me. Andrew just knew that three was Morrowind, so he just stopped reading the yes. entire sentence. Yes. It, it says sh- Morrowind parentheses three, and then he stopped. Yes. All I saw was the three, and I'm like, so it was obviously Morrowind. So uh, each one justify why you like it. We'll start with Nippleton. Uh, so I chose Oblivion. Oblivion is my, is, my, is my favorite one. And once Patrick, again, Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Patrick Stewart. <laughs> That's a great reason to, to play the Patrick Stewart, game. five minutes. Five dead. minutes, $150,000 uh, check. Good luck. The, well, all, all the games are very good, and they all have a lot of similarities between them because it is the you know, same series of games. I felt the most free to do as I would and to affect the universe in, in Oblivion. I felt <laughs> like, like there was so much to do. There was so much world to... Uh, interact with and interact with in a fairly reasonable, believable manner. Like I, I just had a great time just roaming around the universe. Like the storyline was fairly good. I, I mm-hmm. kind of ho hum on it overall. Well, I, there wasn't a lot of urgency to it, which there was never is kind of in weakness. any of the Elder Scrolls games. It's kind of like you're in the world and there's things that you can do, but not even though a lot of them are presented end of the world activity. Mm-hmm. It's like time, eh, the world it, will happen a couple yeah. a couple months from now, which, which is far more realistic. It's not like someone's going to take over the world. Like if we had an alien invasion on Earth, it's not going to be a twenty four hour thing. It's going to be months and months of combat. Yeah, same We're, same in a our fantasy RPG. I, yeah. yeah, and well, <laughs> and I, I like that that in in Oblivion um, and other Elder Scrolls games in general, it gave you so much room to play a character. Mm-hmm. To really actually role play, and so if I wanted to be a horrible person, you can be Jack the Ripper, with repercussions for killing people. Yes. But you can find your own unique ways to be a serial killer in the game. That's kind of weird. And and that's the, 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 really that not cool. like because most games you can you can kill everybody in the world, but then they just respawn. Yeah. Or and such, but you can actually <laughs> kill people that are important, and, and then, then they're dead. And they're yeah. dead. <laughs> the game. That's one of the reasons why I like Daggerfall. It was really the first RPG that had that type of setup. Mm-hmm. You could go in this. You could wander around pretty much anywhere in the world. Um, it was the first game I played that let you, that allowed you to 
you know, you could break into people's homes, actually go through their stuff from this first person, very intimate perspective, uh, poison them. I don't <laughs> think you can go through their homes. <laughs> very intimate. <laughs> very intimate. It's, I mean, you can't do what Nick did where you put rocks in people's pockets and made them drown. Yes. But in which oblivion, which was Which was the way that I chose to be a serial killer was to, to But it was the first everyone. game where I accidentally killed one of the, uh, one of the major uh, generals in Daggerfall and the, I, I got like three quarters of the way into the game and I couldn't go any further because mm-hmm. at some point in the beginning I was like, this guy just screwed me over. i bash his head in with my mace. And then I, uh, later on in the game, you couldn't go through with it. So it, it unintentional it consequences <laughs> yeah, of your actions. Like, well, right, shit, it was now the first, I can't save the world. It was really the first game where you actually f- had these like these moments where you could play the game in a, in a way that you wanted to, and you could break the game. But it wasn't like, oh, you put a crate somewhere and now you can't progress. Yeah. It was the guy you murdered was important. Now the world's dead. Yes. Way to go, jackass! I did like that it, the game is not it is not an Excel kind of game because Very as you so. level up, everything else levels up. It's yeah. pretty much always yeah. equal footing. You do well, get better, you get more skilled. Yeah. In, in Oblivion, uh, but it, the, it's other like, it, the other two had it. The other two had it kind of, but there were clearly areas you couldn't go to until you reached a certain point. Yeah. But Oblivion, it really yeah, was. Oblivion was going. You could get through the game at low levels if you really wanted to. It oh, wouldn't be easy. So. Wouldn't be easy because yeah. the sk- you have to skill up your uh, skill up all your skills, and that does affect things. But yeah. I, I really like that that there was that you don't have to use the endless grind of finding the slightly better item or the yeah. slightly better whatever. Indeed, the Elder Scrolls games have never been about that stuff. Thankfully, yeah. it's always been about the presentation of the story, the narrative, mm-hmm. and then the action. And then just the, be, being in the the perspective that you're the character. It's not you're looking down on the character. It's exactly. You're this the is character. also all of these games are FPSs as well. <laughs> Well, FPRPGs. They're first person. I wouldn't call them shooters. I just... (laughs) Because anytime you use a bow and arrow in those games, it's like fucking annoying. Ridiculous. Kind of like how using a bow and arrow in combat would be. Now, I'm trying to remember, was it uh, Morrowind or Oblivion that had the crazy acid trippy shroom It was Oblivion. It was Uh, the Oblivion add-on Shivering Isles. See, I couldn't remember if that was one of the add-ons for... See, and that's, that's one of the reasons why I so desperately loved Morrowind, is... The universe that you're in uh, on this world is so unlike any other RPG I, I really remember with the floating, like, uh, overseer-like things from StarCraft that you're yeah, riding oh. around the world. And Morrowind had some really cool uh, add-ons. There was the... Uh, Tribunal and Blood. What was the one where it was, like, wolfen bears or something yeah, like I that? Yeah, I think it was called, like, Blood something. Yeah. The box is probably just to Nick's left here somewhere. <laughs> Nick, find it! <laughs> Uh, but but Morrowind, <laughs> good boy, who's a good boy? Uh, Morrowind was my favorite. It just it had such a unique setting uh, with kind of I mean the, the entire design of this continent that you're on is so far removed from all the other. Mm-hmm. Elder and Morrowind, I think, was the you know while I still have a really special place in my heart for Daggerfall, mm-hmm. uh, Daggerfall, and then their weird pirate combat focused one after that. Yes, um, it was like pirates. Morrowind, yeah. yeah, Morrowind was really the first time that they had. Finally, they had the engine for the world to show you as this concrete thing. You know, with Daggerfall, exactly. you could kind of see the cracks in the world. You could definitely see the scenes. Also, the game cra- crashed a lot. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember I that's actually why I don't like I remember the, 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 the final so patch they put out for it. You could go an hour and a half without the game yeah. dying on you, which was amazing. Just amazing. It was. That, that was back in the day in which we expected games to crash. <laughs> I had to make a boot disc for it. That's sad. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> God bless that computer. And it's, it seems like with Morrowind, they really built the world out with long verticals that we still see in Oblivion. There's 
an amazing amount of content around vampiric diseases and mm-hmm. changing the way how the entire and you world could be oh, a yeah, vampire true. That, and then you could, could be, be a vampire. you could be a vampire yeah. uh, you could you could go and live in vampire caves you could go and uh, you know work with other vampires you could attack cities together I mean there's an entire subculture that you could completely close off 90% of the game by becoming a vampire you could do mm-hmm. the same thing as a werewolf and then you go into the towns in the middle yeah. of the night and, yeah you, and and all of that was workable in such a good way. A, a true role playing game. You choose, or you exactly. You, you didn't play even a, have to beat the game. You could play that game for like oh forty hours and never have even done play that uh, game for hundreds of hours. Yeah, I think I only ended up beating Oblivion because I had played like several hundred hours of doing random crap. And you just kind of did. And I was on like, that. hey, I should probably see what the ending's like. Yes, yeah. And that was, that was ex- exactly it. Is that are I, we on the same page? Was kind of anticlimactic. It was kind of anticlimactic. For Oblivion? Yeah. Yeah. It Oblivion, was. it was kind of like... That was the easiest boss battle it. ever. I was like, really? Especially after all Especially the time uh, I spent on like the assassin quest and uh, things, I'm like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so what's uh, next on our list? And finally on our list, we have perhaps the greatest granddaddy of all modern RPGs and the first-person perspective, Betrayal at Crondor. It's true, Betrayal at Crondor. Really awesome graphics for the time. It, it was... Much in the way I think Tron showed computer worlds. No, no, it yeah, didn't. It really did show computer worlds and computer ideology to the masses that knew nothing about computational stuff. Betrayal at Crondor kind of opened that door of, look at the things you'll be able to do with a computer mm-hmm. on a wider scale, naturally, from now on. It was a forerunner. It was. It, it was. It was, it was really, the progenitor of I agree with Crondor after. being that, yeah. yeah. I just disagree it, with the Tron analogy. I, I do think the Tron analogy is perfect, thank you. No. And that's why you're wrong. <laughs> Why do you hate no. Tron so much? Yeah, it's a bad movie. You're not going to Tron Legacy with us. No, you're not. I don't want to. We're, we're gonna share popcorn and make out. Yeah. Well, good. And, and rub, reach around. I don't know why anyone's <laughs> looking forward to that. That's a total tangent. I, I, you know, the the graphics and stuff were really great. I enjoyed, um, you know, having the the your whole list of characters there in the Premier Party with their little portraits. And and, if I remember correctly, this even predated Ultima Underworld, which I I always thought yeah, to it, be it, it, the progenitor for all of these. But in fact, it was Portrayal of Crondor, which I later played, and the world that it created is also somewhat traditional, mm-hmm. but it, it adheres to those roots really well. There's none of this crazy, like, suddenly there's moonshine bat ninjas and all this <laughs> shit like Ultima just throws out. There's none of this uh, vampiric... You don't uh, like bat ninjas? <laughs> well, well, <laughs> What'd you got against Batman ninja? You don't need to walk quietly if you fly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, fly it's, quietly? It seems like a lot of these other RPGs really at do. some point <laughs> tend to go off the deep end in, in one direction or another. Yeah. Betrayal at Crondor is a super ultra-conservative traditional RPG. Uh, yeah, it is. This is what RPGs are. This, yeah, this. Not only, yeah, is it a progenitor for the look of modern FP RPGs, but the narrative of that. There's a wizard. There's the wizardry stuff. This was the beginning of the wizardry lineage games. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's this. This goes back to like J.R.R. Tolkien kind of. I'm setting up everything for everyone to follow. Really I played good, it for like an hour. It had, like yeah, a really, <laughs> it had a really good loot system, didn't it? It did. It had a very expansive loot system. This was, in I think for a lot of people, the way that Diablo was uh, for loot hounds. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, here's the something of the boar of the axe. This is fantastic. Yeah, it's two points better than the old one. Hooray. Hooray. Hey, people like rewards. People do love rewards. 
And all of these together, uh, I think I don't know how much or how, how much time we want to talk about, but are really leading into sort of these new generations of massively multiplayer online role-playing games uh, going across multiple platforms. I mean, we have them as small, simpler games on mobile platforms, Android, iPhone. We have you got stuff like ones. Torchlight on the Steam, the $5. Exactly, simple $5, $5 10 game. $20 yeah. games. And then you have like the big uh, world life-killing, marriage-dissolving, uh, self-control-enabler uh, World of Warcraft stuff so on it, PC. The thing I have, though, is that it, I see that there's been a really big split in the directions that RPGs go. I mean, there's there's actual true RPGs, I, such I, as I what Bioware makes. It seems like we've had a schism now. We have people going back towards the original and people going to the new. It, well, so the, the, but the, the, the new is not really RPGs. Like, uh, so many other genres of games now utilize RPG-ish ish yeah. features... Inventories. They utilize uh, yeah, uh, skill systems. I mean, when you played the uh, Mass Effect, the newest, well, Mass Effect, but Mass Effect came out of an action RPG and then went full action. But I'm talking about like yeah. you have uh, the the latest uh, Wolfenstein game. Not really that great, but it actually had the skill system for how you could use your weapons. Yes. Which, you know, to put that in a first person shooter is a little crazy, if you ask me. But yeah. it's it, it seems like a natural extension. Yeah, this a lot of games have leveling up. So it's, there's these aspects of RPGs that have bled out into the other kinds of games. Yeah, yeah. the genetics have the leveling really moved. system in Call of Duty. Right. It's been crossbreeding. But actual, how many <laughs> real RPGs? How many stories where you are a character who makes decisions? There's so few games where you what you actually do has an effect. Yeah, and that's why we started with Dragon Age. It is an homage to all of that yeah. traditionalism. Well, pretty much any Bioware game has that. Bioware, it's, Bioware, it's Bioware, 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 Bioware. Um, any decision you make in the game does mm-hmm. have an effect on how it turns out. And you can wind up screwing over humanity and not realizing it by the end. Yeah. Well, I, I, think, like I, th- I think it's it's so much easier to make a game where the where, what the player does has no effect because you don't yeah. have to you don't have to worry about contingencies or, or the players to... or where the player is the uh, lone hero and just goes to a very big end right. point. Mm-hmm. I, I think that um, it's kind of we ended up getting cheated out of what a lot of stuff could actually be really great RPGs if they allowed choice and they allowed players to really have more of an impact on the mm-hmm. worlds. But it's it's more development time. It's more it's more money, and I don't yeah. I don't necessarily think a lot of gamers have that passion for story necessarily. I do think that that's the thing that is most overlooked because it's assumed that that's the thing that they can get away with not putting the time into. Mm-hmm. That people are there for the experiences and the action. And I think both you and I, and maybe even you, but I, I wouldn't really even consider Depends you. on the game for me. Yeah, exactly. So you don't count. <laughs> <laughs> You're not human. Yeah. I play uh, the old school RPGs on the PC. Yeah, and you probably click through every block of text and say, whatever, 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 whatever. Yeah, actually, I have no patience for an RPG. Whereas, whereas I, read through the, I read through the dialogue, and I'm like, that sounds like that. Nick and I are sitting I there for four hmm. hours reading. Are they hinting at something else you know, going on? You know, on? in Dragon Age, you got experience points every time you found a book, so that was the only reason why I was looking for them. I didn't care <laughs> yes, what Yes, as said. I open them up and read, read everything. That they yeah, I just open it up. I'm like, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, so if you, Ooh, even when you get a Dragon Age Awakening, an example of how much writing there is in something, and you look at the amount of codexes you can read, there's like... 500 new ones into an expansion game. You know, they put a lot of that uh, in the Mass Effect as well. Mm-hmm. And Bioware, and, and Bioware, 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 Bioware. but I'm just saying Mass Effect 2 was pretty much made as a third-person shooter with a storyline. I mean, there's yes. really no RPG stuff in it, but there's an awful lot of 
reading that you can do that's optional for the I, game. I it's think like that is that is the solution. That, that that there are a lot. Of, there is a certain percentage of of gamers who play RPG esque games who aren't going to play, aren't going to yeah. really care. But then for those who do, I mean, it's good to have that option of I can see this universe more in depth. And I do choose. like that the loot hoarding got moved into like uh, Borderlands last mm-hmm. year. Yes. Uh, where you had this first-person shooter that all of a sudden you're running around killing people because you're hoping it drops a better shotgun. Borderlands really took the Diablo loot hoarding to a whole new level. Just took it to the first-person shooter and was I like, want here you go, you're rewarded. I must be rewarded. I yes. want a purple gun. <laughs> I want the yes. Essex. I want a purple gun that has a stupid name. With pink flames. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. make green stuff. Uh, and then also our beautiful tactical strategic RPGs like Lord of Ultima. But that's a completely separate topic. Which we'll save for tomorrow during our breakfast show. <laughs> called <laughs> Morning with the Geeks. Called <laughs> Player Status Weekend Morning Edition, 6.40 a.m. No, it's the Player Status Spooncast. <laughs> Spooncast! It's going to be either that or Awkward Mornings. <laughs> awkward Mornings with Player Status. Yes, Awkward Mornings! <laughs> So, uh, that was, uh, this pretty uh, messed up last nice. night. That, that was, was uh, yeah. so Doom. Yeah, let's go back and talk about that, yeah. We awkwardly discussed mods. You know, I think seriously, just before uh, we end this podcast for the night, we need to actually have Bioware, 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 Bioware as a sound file that we can play anytime we want. Okay. <laughs>